We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. We're getting ready for uh, two fun shows this week. Looking forward to lots to discuss. Uh, we had quite a uh, a great reaction to the the topic we did last week looking at the the first couple of rounds off the draft um that sean and sam wallace did and i know sam has been sharing some of those tweets uh, of how that team is developing since that so i know he's getting a lot of interest there as well so we will be uh, continuing that conversation on today's show we have lots of other things to talk about on today's episode as well looking forward to the show later in the week we'll be looking a little bit at some of Blair Andrews' recent work. So lots of stuff uh, to cover this week on Road of His Overtime. But Sean, the biggest topic for me this week has been uh, time zone. Um, the time, obviously, stateside changed um, a couple of weeks back. So we had a, we were working out our times to, to record last week, and it was a little bit uh, intriguing. But this week was uh, quite fascinating because uh, we were trying to figure out which time zones we were on and, and how we were going to link things up. But the good thing for the listeners is at the end of all that, we've actually managed to get the timings right and uh we're both here to, to record the podcast at the same time so i guess we'll we'll say that was a successful start to the to the show it always is when when we're both together as opposed to re- recording separately and uh yeah w- with the uk being changing times a little bit uh separately from when we do and then arizona does something strange where we basically don't uh we don't change right we always stay the same so uh Technically, half of the year we're on, we're always on mountain standard, and that shifts depending. But it's easier just to think in terms of it. Half the year we're on mountain, half the year we're on Pacific, we're on Pacific now. And so we get to have that kind of day that is very much shifted from the East Coast folks. And we have lots of great guys on the team working 
out there. You, however, are working across <laughs> the ocean, and that does give all kinds of benefits. The uh, recommendation, the show recommendation that we do for the Thursday shows, I won't spoil that right this moment, but you can watch seasons one and two here in the U.S., but if you want to watch season three, then you need to have uh, Amazon Prime UK, which I'm, I'm still working on how to how to get that here, which I think is possible, but much easier if you're located in Ireland, as you are, called. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It is interesting. I always think like we do a show, you know, so many uh, thousand miles apart, different time zones. And I know it's come up on the show a couple of times, but uh, one of the jokes that you, you've said a few times to me is that we're like in, we're in two different time zones, but we actually usually arrange our shows for another time zone. We usually set up the time that we'll record the show in, in Eastern Standard Time. So uh, when we went away from Eastern Standard Time, uh, we got into some difficulties of figuring out where we were, were going for recording, but we did get there. Um, it is always the way that uh, for, it's usually a week or two weeks after it changes uh, in the US, it changes in Ireland and the UK. And it's always, uh, there's always one week in the NFL season where those games kick off a little bit earlier for, for us, which is always good because they end one hour earlier, but it only happens really one or two weeks of the season. But anyone listening in the UK or Ireland will, will know what I mean. It's uh, it's a bit of a, a nice uh, early start to those games. But um, today's show, Sean, we're going we're gonna to talk a lot of stuff. And I mentioned about those weeks of the season. Since we last talked, uh, it's looking like we're getting 17 games this upcoming season. Um, I think it's too early for us to to really give a, a full breakdown into how that's going to affect fantasy seasons, I guess. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it does progress here with the 17-game season. And I guess the other big thing to take away from that is Chiefs get the Packers. So we didn't get our Super Bowl this year, Sean, where we got to face off. But at some point this season, we will get uh, the Chiefs-Packers uh, to, to, to talk about. And that should be a fun shootout between the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. It, Yeah, the 17 games, the thing that you hope that is taken care of is just player health. We know that the NFL does is a grind. It does have some potentially negative health repercussions for the players. If they manage that, I think it will be fantastic for fans. It should be a lot of fun for fantasy owners. I think for zero running back owners, you have that one extra week to potentially let your team grow, develop, and just become that juggernaut that's unstoppable as you go down the stretch also hopefully we'll avoid some of these situations where depending on your format you know there are a lot of cool different types of things that leagues can do if they start the playoffs early but but one of the pitfalls with starting the playoffs early that we've seen the last couple of years is that if the nfl is on a bye in week 12 and you're playing your quarterfinals or what have you and you have some of your key players on the bye during the playoffs now, that definitely is not what anybody's looking forward to. So we'll see how this all pans out. You know, it, it may be a situation where some of those problems are not quite solved, but I think an extra game for the fans, you know, we try and focus on that as opposed to extra dollars for the owners. Yeah, and no, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna it's one of those things that might take us a, a couple of seasons to to get adjusted to, you know, in terms of the the record books and how things will show. But um, let's let's see how it plays out. We'll have a lot of discussion on that, I'm sure, as the uh, as the season draws closer. On today's show, though, we're going to look at uh, Dynasty Startup that we talked about last week, where we're going to go from rounds four through nine on today's show. And I just do want to mention as we start off the show. We mentioned last week we're closing in on episode 200 of Rotoviz Overtime. Uh, we will be running a contest for that. So 
I guess if you want to have a sneak peek at getting in, we haven't decided on the actual prize yet, but we are going to be looking for those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast app. So get ahead of the crew. Any podcast uh, reviews going in from this point forward when the show comes out will be included in that upcoming uh, draw. So don't miss out and uh, get involved early uh, and get get set up there. But Sean, when we look at the draft, it's been uh, a real nice start um if we want to have a recap of where we got to last week we had trevor lawrence cd lamb we had uh, travis etienne t higgins and brandon Ayuk. so things were looking very very nice after those opening four rounds so i guess uh we'll we'll let you take the, the floor we get to round five and the thought process and of course the uh, the pick that uh, was made at that point yeah so we were able to get that extra early pick by trading back out of the first round still able to pick up trevor lawrence the beginning of the second round and then move up again to have that fifth round pick up into round four the great thing here and it does take some picks to do over time but we were able to move up and by the end of the ninth round we had 13 players and we'll talk a little bit about those trades and we'll talk a little bit about why we want to construct our team in that way but let's focus here on the players first everybody wants to know who you're picking why you're picking in that particular range did you get a bargain Uh, did you make a mistake and so we get there with the fifth pick in round five and one of the things that sam and i were really looking at and we talked about this in our dynasty draft off series is that when you get into a format that has fewer starters that tight end represents a higher percentage of the overall starters and can really be a hammer type player once you get down to 10 skill players in the starting lineup the effect isn't quite as large we still want to have that tight end stud as opposed to be stuck you know every week trying to figure out how are we going to get any points at the tight end position and this is an interesting season because we do know that those tight ends are being valued uh, very early in redraft leagues in best ball leagues but there's also this sort of difficult decision that fantasy owners are having to make in dynasty because those tight ends are a little bit older right so george kittle goes in the first round of this draft travis kelsey falls almost to the end of round three kyle pitts who's expected to go in the first 10 picks of the reality draft uh, really the next superstar tight end he went very very early there in round three in round four, we have Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson all come off the board. We liked a lot of those guys, especially Hawkinson and Andrews, due to the youth. But I like our pick here in round five as potentially having all of that upside and more. And so we landed on Noah Fant. And the situation here really comes down to this Denver Broncos offense and what they're able to do at the quarterback position i think fant was a little bit more intriguing a couple weeks ago when it looked like they would probably be one of the two main teams in on deshaun watson uh now watson with all of the problems there that path is looking you know much more problematic but fant's still a guy who despite the very poor quarterback play has started out his career in a way that leads us to believe that he's going to still be a very very good player and probably a high ceiling player when you look at adp whether it's best ball or dynasty you see fant come off the board you know a half round to a round after hawkinson and i think that that's probably justified have a lot of shares of hawkinson continue to try to get more but if you look at the two seasons in the books for hawkinson and fant when you pull up 
the NFL Weekly Explorer and see that they're very, very similar, right? Hawkinson, 5.7 targets per game, Fant 5.2. Hawkinson, 3.5 receptions, Fant 3.3. Yardage is almost identical at 3.89 to 3.98. Actually, a tiny little lead for Fant there. Fant is averaging more yards per target. They had the exact same target shares at 16%. It's kind of interesting because Hawkinson is being targeted slightly deeper down the field, but Fant getting a better conversion of air yards to receiving yards, and it's also been better after the catch. Both of those guys, impressive for tight ends. And that kind of brings us back then to Fant with the really, really high upside that I think is camouflaged a little bit by this Denver passing attack. When you look at these numbers, a good start to Fant's career, but you can still kind of forget the fact that this is a guy with a 4-5-40, a 6-8-3 cone, a 39 and a half inch vertical. When we're talking about numbers that almost any wide receiver would be ecstatic to have, and you know, you've got it in the big body to Fant, this is a guy who, if Denver can get their passing game going, could be an absolute star, could be one of those guys who, like a George Kittle, is drafted in the first round next year. Now, you know, how the Broncos are going to pull that off now that Watson is probably not much of an option. Uh, it's going to be a longer process for them. But I think that when you look at Fant, his age, his production, his athleticism, I think that he should probably be going around a round and a half earlier. Allow me a moment to tell you about our partners over at Blue Wire Pods, and they have opened up an opportunity to distribute your own podcast through Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, you'll get your show pushed straight to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listeners. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Platforms. And the best part is you get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to jump straight into the podcasting game and have your voice heard, get ready with Blue Wire Hustle. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. You can also check out more information in the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash join. Look. 
No one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash RotoViz. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing, if you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. So, Sean, fans certainly an interesting pick there. And you mentioned, you know, that there's just the, the quarterback is the, the main concern, I guess, in Denver. We'll see how it shakes out. But I do like a lot of the, the pass catching uh, pieces up in Denver you know we, we we were very much aboard the the Sutton bandwagon uh, this time last year and um also obviously um with Jerry Judy there as well so interesting options uh, we just need the quarterback now to come and fill but I think when we look back to when they were both drafted uh, very very um you know high draft picks for Hawkinson and Fant and I think when we look through the the comparisons a lot of similarities and we're seeing um, you know Hawkinson go a couple of spots uh, higher in terms of rankings at tight end the other thing of interest is you know we've talked a few times about the Lions losing uh, you know their quarterback uh, and Matthew Stafford we'll see what happens with uh, Jared Goff but how that affects Hawkinson you know might not be being fully taken into consideration with his current his current draft uh, pedigree I guess but moving on to the next round we get into some uh, younger players to, to get that base of, of youth in the team Going back to wide receiver, um, there's a lot of interesting picks in this range. It starts to become uh, quite kind of veteran heavy around this range in terms of it's either veterans or, or those kind of mid-range uh, rookies that we're trying to pick up on. It does. And one of the things that we want to do, and we've done so far with the Lamb, Higgins, and Ayuk picks, is to get this young wide receiver base. And I like to start out with those second-year guys who have already gotten off to huge starts because we know that they tend to have excellent careers. You can look at that in a variety of different ways. Blair Andrews has done that in the wrong read. I have an article that comes out every year talking about uh, second-year wide receiver breakouts and and rookie breakouts. Those two groups, if you break out as a rookie or break out as a second-year player, then you go on to 
on average, a much stronger career than the rest of the guys. So you can lay down that foundation and play these guys for four or five years and then trade them at that point. You get all the production, you trade them at peak value, and you build this juggernaut that, again, accomplishes what we're looking for, which is that perpetual championship window. We get into round six, and I was excited here because I expected our target to have gone earlier, and that was Devontae Smith. Now, round five, to give a little context, the wide receivers who came off the board, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson. I like all of those except for perhaps Allen Robinson, who I think maybe is past the range that you really want. It was interesting to see Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson go as such similar areas. Thomas, even with the horrible season last year, seems to be the value in that range if you want a veteran type of player. Now, with the eighth pick in the sixth round, we were able to get Smith, and he's a little bit of a controversial choice despite the insane production that he's had. We know that he's smaller. We know that he's an older fourth-year player, and we've been through on the show with the listeners just how gigantic the gaps are in terms of players who declare early and players who declare after four years when you look at their fantasy production relative to draft slot, right? And that's really what we're often looking at is how can we outperform draft slot and definitely not select players who are going to underperform draft slot. The interesting thing with Smith is he's probably going to go in those first 10 picks. So even if he does underperform that slot, you might still end up with very good production. I think that Smith is an interesting case because his final production is just so insane and one of the ways that we can go and look at this is to take travis may's research he's done the adjusted production index for rotavis for the last couple of years a metric that he came up with which really combines the insights from market share numbers with the insights from yards per team attempt and touchdowns per team attempt those tend to be similar for prospects but they do have some different angles, some different nuance that they can bring in. When you have both of them, you know you're not missing a portion of it because of that particular team's context. And that's one of the reasons why I really love this. Those numbers right now are in the Rotoviz draft guide. They'll be coming out on the site sometime in the near future. But we're going to go a little bit under the hood today and explain why we made this pick, even with the red flags for Smith. And that's because, you know, anybody who's followed along or even if you just watched the college football semifinals and finals and saw this guy who's capable of putting up 200 yards in the first half against an elite defense like okay this seems like something special even within the context of these alabama video game offenses and that really jumps out when we look at these api numbers smith came out with a 99th percentile score to put that in a little bit of context elijah moore one of the guys that we love has a great advanced numbers 93rd percentile rashad bateman a number one of our favorites 90th percentile tylen wallace someone who flying a little bit below the radar has that same red flag of having stayed for four years that smith had but 89th percentile wallace's numbers are pretty insane so to be in a situation where smith is that far ahead of him is pretty crazy jamar chase expected to be the first wide receiver off the board potentially in the first five picks almost certainly in the first 10 picks 83rd percentile and then Terrace marshall an lsu breakout from this year who expected to go sort of the toward the end of the first round an 81st percentile so even in this loaded draft and even with the depth that we're expected to see in that first second round range at the position smith stands out as something special to me he seems like a slightly better version of jerry judy one of the things that travis points out in his analysis and that we've talked about a lot is that yes smith stayed for four years but he was also better 
a year ago than Judy and Henry Ruggs, two guys who went in the first round. Now, both of them disappointed a little bit, but you kind of dig into Judy's numbers at least, and you see that the volume was there. And so it's the question of this combination of Drew Locke and then all of those drops. The efficiency wasn't, you know, Judy probably heading on to a pretty good career. And he actually was the very next next pick by uh, Scott Barrett and Danny Kelly. So they were buying into Judy as well. I think that Smith could be in many ways similar to what we get from Calvin Ridley. We know Ridley is on the smaller side and yet he has this vertical ability. He is the touchdown scorer. You do want to get into that situation where you're paired with a quarterback who can help get the job done for you. Matt Ryan, a very solid quarterback. They play in the dome. That's very helpful. But Smith here looks like a guy who, even though he's going to come into the NFL a little bit older, he's actually older than several of the second-year players that we've drafted for this team, still looks like someone who could come in, have an immediate impact, and then be a big-time player for about a decade. Yeah, and it's interesting when we look at the players going in that range. You mentioned Judy going next, but you know, in that kind of area, we have Amari Cooper going, we have Waddle going, Mike Evans, uh, you know, Bateman, Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton, Chase Claypool, Keenan Allen going uh, just two picks later um, than Judy. So there's it's an interesting range where we're seeing these players go off the, the board. And these rounds, kind of seven through nine, are quite uh, wide receiver heavy rounds. But as I mentioned, it is basically those rookie second-year players uh, mixed in with those uh, kind of veterans getting a little bit older or players with some question marks around them. So the, the roster developing very, very nicely at this point now. We, we mentioned previously that uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, was taken as your quarterback number one um, in, in that second round. So when we look down now, it's going to be interesting over the next three picks. And I, I might even pair these guys together just to, to kind of wrap it up in terms of quarterback strategy. But um, next up, we uh, get Mac Jones um, in terms of uh, quarterback and getting another young rookie quarterback in there, somebody that... Uh, Dave Cabin's uh, an, uh, analysis in the draft guide um, showed up pretty pretty well, um, pretty consistent at college. Um, it, it's, it's interesting to see then the age bracket between Mac Jones and uh, one of the next quarterbacks. But we we do have next up uh, Derek Carr. Um, obviously, the question marks around that, but um, still pretty pretty solid when it comes to year on year fantasy numbers. But the, the next one up is Tom Brady. So we've gone from two rookies uh, to De- Derek Carr to tom brady so it's going to be interesting to see the the different thought process i I would expect that the value is just too much at at brady and at that point but i am intrigued to toss out the question against the brady pick and i know i'm getting a couple of picks ahead here sean quarterback 25 is tom brady quarterback 26 is matt ryan i'm just interested i'll let you go through the three guys but i'm interested just in the thought process between ryan versus brady and i know that's getting into later round quarterback picks but just intrigued to the the process there yeah so this is where it gets a little bit controversial in terms of how we're going about it we had uh sam and i had some fun little debates with scott where he was saying he thought our draft was perfect through Devontae smith and then he hated it after that if you've been in these super flex leagues then the easiest way to eliminate yourself is just not have enough quarterbacks if you have two you're in pretty deep trouble if you have one you're going to be non-competitive and i'm in a bunch of the kitchen sink leagues that ryan mcdowell runs they're a ton of fun and they and with the auction element and with all of the trading with sort of the other elements that he has in there with franchise tags with restricted free agency 
with contracts, all of those types of things. You have a variety of ways to land quarterbacks, and yet it's still very, very difficult. And it presses on you constantly the value of having these guys, not only in terms of the production during the season, but what they represent in terms of trade value. And I always get a little bit frustrated when you have that guy in your division who is just trying to hog all the quarterbacks and then wants you to give up like four or five awesome players to get one in return. You know, that's not a style that that I want to emulate. At the same time, if you have a quarterback, you're going to be able to trade them for more than what you paid in the draft. As soon as the draft is over and people can't be hitting those, you know, the 27th, 28th, 29th QBs, once that opportunity is gone, then the prices for these guys skyrocket. And so the things that Sam and I were trying to do here was to make sure that we had some youth and to make sure that we had some immediate impact. We've got a lot got a lot of young wide receivers. We only have Travis Etienne at running back. Running back could be an issue, although not surprisingly, we're going to be using somewhat of a zero RB approach in terms of loading up as the draft gets deeper. Well, we want to be competitive this season. So that means a couple of different things. With Mac Jones, you mentioned Dave's analysis. Uh, one of the key metrics in his work for the draft guide and valuing these QBs was max adjusted yards per attempt. Jones actually led this group with 12.79 on the season. That's two and a half yards above Trevor Lawrence, for example. Now, the overall profile for jones is thinner than for some of these other guys but you look at what he did in this final season you look at how he elevated smith how he elevated waddle during the time that waddle was healthy you look at some of the things that his teammates are now saying about him where they're willing to go on record and say they prefer him to tua and you start to get the impression that this guy is going to go earlier than people were thinking a month ago he had a pro day workout where he showed himself to be big and more athletic than people were expecting you know he's not going to be somebody who goes out there and gives you you know all this rushing yardage he's not going to be somebody who goes out there and impresses with his scrambling his work in the pocket but he's big enough and athletic enough to be your prototypical nfl qb and i think that that in and of itself answers a lot of questions makes it exciting for people who might be looking at him and now within the last 48 hours there has been a ton of rhetoric about potentially the 49ers you know he being the guy that they moved up for that jones could now go you know number three overall he could go in the top five picks whether or not he does that i think we're to the point where we can be pretty excited about where he's going to go in the draft and his early career opportunities and so that ends up being a pretty good value then you move to Derek carr right he's got the three consecutive four thousand yard seasons 30 total touchdowns last year Derek carr is not exciting but especially in Superflex, you sometimes have to have those guys he was the last clear-cut starter in this age 30-ish range or below. And again, that makes him a value because if you have a guy that you can plug in, and even if he's an 18-point-per-game guy as opposed to a 24-point-per-game guy, that's going to beat your other flex options. And you have that as a backdrop and a backstop against injury, a potential trade option there. And then Tom Brady. The thing with Tom Brady is that when you're – beginning this draft the way that we are and the way that we like to do all of these and again just talking about this permanent championship window you know you're thinking that guy is way too old to fit the overall build 
And yet at the same time, we're into the situation where Tom Brady may play for another two or three years. We look at even some of these running backs being drafted in the first, second round range. You look at a Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, we hope can play for another five years. You look at some guys like Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. You know, they're already into this range that is often problematic. Now, could those guys play another three, four, five years successfully? They could. Uh, we've talked about how some of the best fantasy seasons ever you look at marshall falk you look at priest holmes some of those seasons came in the late 20s and so it can be done but when we're looking at at windows here brady could be a guy who actually does the same type of thing that one of those first second round running backs will do and the reason that we took him instead of matt ryan is even though matt ryan is younger has these elite weapons you do hear scuttlebutt that perhaps atlanta will use this draft when they do have a fairly early pick to pick his successor that starts to get you into this range where you know if the team goes south or ryan has a bad stretch or the rookie you know looks like russell wilson looked in his rookie training camp then suddenly there's some danger and so tom brady obviously the buccaneers are committed to him they're going for uh, you know trying to defend this title it's got a couple more years in him he was a QB1 last year. Now, toward the end of that tier, QB11, he was the QB8 over the season's second half. And so even though it's a gross pick, and there's no question that it's a gross pick, it's one that really fits the needs that you have when you're trying to construct this dominant super flex lineup. Yeah, no, it's an interesting, it's a good uh, breakdown as well, just in terms of like the, the value of some of the other players going much, much higher up the draft board and how they're going to affect the roster year on year. And then you, when you have those younger quarterbacks in front of it too, it does make sense to have those veteran uh, presences that you can slot in if you do need to, um, even without bye weeks coming into effect, but let's say bye weeks come into effect and injuries and so on as well. So um, interesting, interesting picks, just interesting in some of the, the quarterbacks going in that range as well um the the valuation of some of the quarterbacks can can vary dramatically when we get to like round seven versus what we're looking at at round uh three um you know in terms of overall the the other part sean that's very interesting here and obviously i have the draft board in front of me to look through but for the listeners um you did trade out round one that then ended up having two picks in round two you've had two picks in round four and then it's been one pick uh, the rest of the way so far but we're in round nine and there's obviously a considerable amount of movement that has been done at this point because we have four picks in round nine coming up here brady being the first one uh, then we have jalen rager then tyler boyd and then wallace as well coming off the board so a lot of moves being made but that leaves you with 13 players through nine rounds uh, kind of building up on those core pieces um, and those earlier rounds to, to try and build that foundation We've talked a lot on the show about Tyler Boyd. I think we can probably have a brief overview of that. We we talked a couple of weeks ago as well about Jalen Rager. Um, but an interesting piece, you know, when you're adding those three guys in to kind of firm up that core of wide receivers, that gives you um, seven wide receivers through those opening nine rounds. It does. And it looks kind of funny here on the draft because we actually had four of the first five picks in round nine. Those picks, as you mentioned, Brady, Rager, Boyd, and then Tylen Wallace. The, the last pick that we had, we tried to trade down a little bit out of the 905. No one was interested there. We, we felt like Wallace is a reach. And yet you look at what he's done and here's someone who went for, you know, over 1450 yards as a sophomore in college the 12 touchdowns last year just huge huge numbers in that prolific oklahoma state offense came back and have it at a 50 percent 
dominator rating in 2019 before the injuries. 50%, right? Comes back a 40% dominator in the 2020 season. So even though because of injuries and because of the weird way that this last season went for college football the numbers don't jump out at you in the same gaudy fashion that that 1458 yard uh, 17 yards per catch 2018 season does but wallace basically just prolific production all the way through was better at the early pro day than people were expecting is one of the best contested catch wide receivers in this draft so what you're hoping is that he doesn't fall too deep in this draft, but he could come out and really be one of these top rookie wide receivers. I think you can make an argument for him as early as the wide receiver three. Probably Bateman and Rondell Moore go ahead of him. I think you can make a strong argument for him at the wide receiver five. But even if he slides a little bit further down the board, then if he ends up in a situation with a decent quarterback, you're looking at someone who could be one of these impact performers right away. We had another couple of guys who were much higher rated on our boards at that point, but we thought perhaps they would fall. We didn't know where Wallace was going to go. A lot of young receivers have already gone in this draft. Uh, St. Brown went in the eighth round. Elijah Moore, long gone. And so we knew that if we wanted to make sure that we got him, we would have to jump in there, make that pick. The other person we were considering uh, is still on the board for us now in round 10 as we get close to our pick there. Colin, the interesting thing, and we've gotten some questions about trades in dynasty startups and how we want to go about that. We talked about moving down in the first round and picking up a future second round pick. That pick comes in in a way later that is very helpful because it allows us to have some extra ammunition to keep making moves. What we ended up doing was we traded the picks 13, 14, our 2022 round two pick and our round 2023 first round pick in order to get the 901, the 902 and pick up two round threes. And then later with Scott, we traded our 2022 first round pick in order to get the 904 and also to move up twice in subsequent rounds and also got back around three picks. So one of the things that we've done here is when we move down, try and pick up these picks that people are not valuing to such an extent that they won't ever part with them, right? And you look at Superflex, and one of the things that I like to do there is to go after these second round picks, go after even these third round picks. You think back to last year's draft and some of the players who were available in that range you had some of the running backs you certainly had someone like a chase claypool you have a kj hamler who could still be interesting if denver gets it going at all you have some of the tight ends you have some of the backup quarterbacks or someone like a jordan love now that didn't pan out this season because aaron Rodgers continue to be fantastic it looks like the packers may have missed a little bit on their evaluation there but look at a jalen hurts right who's also going in that range if you can load up with these round three picks in Superflex, where the quarterback position makes the whole draft so much deeper, then you have ammunition take shots at your favorite guys, which softens the blow for some of these trades where you've traded your top guys. Now, you know what do we need to get back in order to give up future first round picks? The number one thing that we're looking at is where are we in the draft currently? And if you were to take the guy you want in... A, in a rookie draft 
would he be someone you would expect to go in the first round? And so you look at some of the people that we have here. You look at specifically the pick that we made as a result of this and the Jalen Rager. He's someone who would have been a borderline first round pick in Superflex, which obviously pushed the guys down a little bit. But Rager's someone who was our top ranked wide receiver in terms of what the wide receiver prospect lab spit out. Someone who now looks like really the only receiving target that Philadelphia has. And I was going back through and looking at the article that Dr. Jeff wrote on his prognosis after the labrum injury last year. And the shoulder problem there is something that we would have expected to really hurt his rookie year production, right? So we're looking at trying to get some of these values. We're looking at a Tyler Boyd who, even though he's been in the league for a long time, because he came in very young, it's just 26 years old. And so if you're talking about drafting an Elijah Moore, someone who we have great numbers on, he's got all kinds of advanced stats that look fantastic, but you're really looking for him to be in his sort of 75th to 85th percentile outcome. You're looking at him being a Tyler Boyd, right? And we don't know where he's going to go yet. Whereas Tyler Boyd, you're thinking, okay, Joe Burrow, when Joe Burrow was there last year for Higgins and Boyd, those guys were fantastic. So we feel very good about that young quarterback connection, that star connection at QB. And so we can get a little bit of safety by drafting some of these guys who are still in mid-career situations. And we move up all of that value into our current team. And so, again, to have the 13 picks in the first nine rounds in a 10-starter league, you, you have such a big advantage in terms of the risk that you have, in terms of the depth that you have, and there are so many more things that can go right, right? So when you're looking at these teams, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm through 10 rounds, the draft is really starting to fall off in the depth, but I do have my starting lineup taken care of, I'll probably be okay, you know, we always look at these teams going into week one and then you look back at them after week four and you're like, man, a third of my team is injured. I no longer am competitive. Well, if you have three or four extra starters you've been able to draft in that starter range, you can withstand a lot more. And if things go well for you, then you're picking from your best player. So let's say you have a little bit of a good health run. Then instead of having all 10 guys had to hit in terms of just being what you thought they were going to be, now you can pick the 10 guys who hit in terms of what you thought they were going to be for that season. And so that gives us a lot of value. And if we're drafting these young players, then we know that a certain percentage of them are going to perform extremely well and their draft or their trade capital is going to, their trade value is going to rise. And so suddenly we're in a situation where we get into next year's draft and we can trade, say, a CD Lamb for a first round pick maybe multiple second round picks in a future year again it is really going to depend in a super flex format on what your needs are if you have to go for a quarterback you know what people are looking at there you know is there a jamar chase who is someone who is going to be uh intriguing even if you have a young star we're looking at risk with these rookies one of the things that we want to do that is very tricky and we've talked about curtis's awesome article that he published recently where he says okay look if you can draft a startup before the NFL draft and the rookies are in the draft, then you want to make sure you have a lot of them because they're going to be more expensive later. Their trade value is going to increase. Well, then you get into a draft like the one that we're doing here and the rookies are going very, very early. And you have to make sure that you recalibrate at least to an extent because if rookies are going already at sort of their 75th percentile outcome, then we want to back off of that just slightly 
and take some of the young veterans that we can be much more sure about. We talk all the time about uncertainty isn't necessarily bad, right? You hear all the time uh, analysts will say, well, you know, we, we can't predict that as well. And that's usually given this negative connotation, but it's, it shouldn't be. One of the reasons why you want to court uncertainty is that the uncertainty with it comes that high-end outcome. When you're looking at a veteran, we know what they're going to be. A Sterling Shepherd is not going to jump out and become a wide receiver one for you. But we also want to look at these drafts and understand that, okay, if we've got guys who are already stars and they're going in a range where a rookie would have to have a fantastic outcome just to match them, we want to be willing to pivot off of that the same thing with a first round pick if the first round pick and a future first round pick is being valued in such a way that number one you've got to wait until it gets there and then number two it's being valued as if that player has already hit that's what i'm willing to trade out of those slots take the veteran play the veteran and then trade the veteran and so when we're talking about veterans some of these veterans can still be young right you, know, you have a 23 24 25 year old veteran they play for a couple of years you trade back out of them and that's what we're really looking to do is make sure we move as much of the overall value of our roster and our roster includes those future rookie picks, move it into the present, but keep it young so that as it develops two or three years through time and into the future, those guys are still young enough to trade and get a lot of that value back. But in the interim, your roster of actual players is much deeper, is more resilient. It gives you a lot more options, whether you stay healthy or you get hurt. Yeah, no, it's really good. And that question coming in from uh, Blake Schult, and it uh, it can be tricky sometimes when the questions are layered when it comes to drafts because every individual draft is going to be different in terms of the values and how to make those moves. But I think the the way you mentioned it there, Sean, covers a lot of different elements. Um, I know the listeners are always looking for trade advice from from you and how we make those moves and. Um, if anyone does make sure that they uh, send in any additional follows we're happy to add these in uh, as we go through because this is just prime time for those drafts for those trades to be made so any follow-up questions from the listeners send them in to me on twitter at road of, or at overtime ireland or send them to rotavizradio at gmail.com if you're sending in an email and um, we'll try and add some of them into some of the upcoming shows as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount off a one-year rotaviz subscription over on rotaviz.com by adding the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information that's going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marland you can send us those questions and thoughts on upcoming shows as i mentioned as well to rotavizradio at gmail.com you can check out of sean's great work up on rotaviz.com so until we're back on thursday with another podcast have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>